This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. Hey, 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 it's Isabella here from Phoenix Radio and welcome to our drive show. The time is currently 4.11 and the temperature at the moment is 24 degrees. Now, I know you may be wondering, what on earth are we going to talk about this week? So let me start you off with this topic. We have a lovely LGBT community here, here in southeast Queensland. Among them is Laura Faulkner, who is on the line about to share some experiences about her life today. So, Laura, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm going well, thanks. Awesome, awesome. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions about our LGBT community. Is that all right with you? Yeah, that's all good with me. Sweet as. So we're just going to start off with <laughs> a hard-hitting question. So when did you know that you were gay? Um, actually, a little bit later in life. So I'm um, 28, about to turn 29. Mm-hmm. And I think I came out just after my 28th birthday. Oh, yeah. And how, so, how was that experience for you? Like, who did you come out to first? Um, oh, it's actually a bit of a funny story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really, I told very few friends. I sort of told, I like I told some people, but my other, one of my friends had a birthday party mm-hmm. and at the birthday party, you had to dress as your type. Oh, interesting. And I showed up without telling anyone dressed as a girl. And that's how I came out to the majority of my friendship circle. Oh, that's so heartwarming. That's so cute. <laughs> what sort of outfit did you wear as well? I was like a little bit like of a punk rocker. <laughs> ah, into that edgy type. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So what does having a queer identity mean to you? I, I think it means, well, it means a lot of things to me, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously it's, it's an embodiment of my sexual orientation. Of course. But it means more to me than that. I think it's a sort of a personification of who I am as a person, mm-hmm. uh, my political views, uh, the sort of how I, like, I really believe in equality for all people. Oh, 100%. And uh, I guess a bit of a moral compass as well. Oh, 100%. Like, I feel like I understand because I also, I too am, like, I'm bisexual. Like, I have a girlfriend as well. So I see that side of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so since coming out, how much, like, happier are you? How much joy has that brought you? Oh, my gosh. I am, like... A thousand times happier. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, able to get to be who you are, but also like rediscover who you are in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of say that I'm going through a bit of a second puberty at the moment. Oh, um, it's like puberty times two. Yeah. So I've been go- like going out like I used to when I was 18 and it's been a lot of fun. Mm. But then it's also been, it, there's also so much joy in seeing how supportive my friends were and just like really getting to see the best in people yeah of course and did you think that all your friends were going to be all supportive like you've surrounded yourself with the right type of people to do that with yeah I did I wasn't really worried at all I don't think other I don't think I would have dressed as a girl to a party and not told anyone otherwise yeah of course of course and just for our final question today what advice would you give someone um if they were about to come out Look, I think it can be really easy to put a lot of expectations on oneself. In this sort of queer community, there's a lot of throwing around of, I was born this way Mm -hmm. or gold star lesbian. And I think that we just all need to remember that there's no one way to come out. 
and everyone's on their own journey and they should just try and enjoy the journey rather than putting pressure on themselves to do things in a particular way. Of course, yeah, it's about the journey. not It's about the destination, sorry, as well as the, de- the journey, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us here on Phoenix Radio, Laura, and thank you so much for sharing your story today. Of course, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Have a lovely afternoon. You too. Bye-bye. So that was Lauren Faulkner, a student and member of the LGBTQ community from Queensland University of Technology, so QUT. Thank you so much for listening to that segment. And next up, we have Black Hole by Griff. And that was Black Hole by Griff. It is 4.19 here on Phoenix Radio. And hi, yes, it's me, Isabella, here again presenting your drive show. So let's talk about paramedicine. Paramedicine is an intense and very rewarding line of work that people across the country and around the world rely on. It's a very thankless job and people sometimes overlook it. But not on here, not with Drive. And clearly not the students and teachers here at USQ that help people achieve the goals of participating participating in this honourable job. To talk about this topic, we have Stu Crichton talking to Dr. David Long, Senior Lecturer of Paramedic science here at usq but on the ipswich campus so can you fill us in on what the average day looks like to you well absolutely sorry yes sorry to interrupt you there izzy uh hello everyone yes Stu here well welcome back i return all good um yes dr david long hello thank you for being with us this afternoon how are you Oh, great. Great to be here with you. Thanks for asking me along. You're very welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your obviously busy day, very busy day, as we know already. <laughs> um, so I'll ask you, yes, what does your average day look like, sir? In uh, paramedicine, my average day is I don't know, and that's what I love about it. I can get up uh, to go to work, and uh, I'll uh, check the truck. Uh, I'll sign on, and from there, I have no idea what I'll be doing uh, throughout the day. And I used to love that about my job, uh, in that um, I could have a pretty cruisy day, you know, two or three jobs or anything like that, uh, or it could be on like Donkey Kong from uh, the very start, doing some really big jobs uh, well, exactly. all day. I think that's how people sort of perceive it, and that was actually leads very well into my next question. What made you choose paramedicine over something near that field, like an ER nurse? Is are they two greatly different things, or? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question, Stu. So um, I'd suggest it, look that there is uh, overlap, but we are still a very distinct uh, profession. And I suppose it goes back to the earlier question as well of um, of just not knowing what I was going to be doing that yes, day. We've all been um, there. Yeah, I've not not worked as a nurse, and I'm sure there's variety and and stuff that can happen there. But mm. I think just working in in paramedicine, I, I like being outdoors. Um, mm. I like um, working in really quite fluid and dynamic environments. Um, and and I think that's where the, where the challenge is um, cool. is that uh, you know you. you <laughs> I'd, I'd been around the world a couple of times before I got into paramedicine, and then I got into paramedicine and went, oh, my gosh, I, I ain't seen nothing yet. Well, exactly. It, it, it sort of broadens your perspective, I suppose, on that one. Um, well, to that point, it, once you'd seen... You said you hadn't seen everything yet. Um, I'm assuming you've seen a lot in that line of work. You would have just seen many, many things that I wouldn't have dreamed of. Do you have a favourite memory of paramedicine? <laughs> oh, look, it, it's it's a tough one. Um, and I think... Uh, I, I, th- I think... 
certainly the the newborn baby one. Yes. Uh, so some some people go through their entire careers uh, without. Um, uh, being there for the birth of a, a brand new person, so That'd be a bit of a challenge, Eric. No, it, it it was. Unfortunately, it all went fine, and Good. the and the mum was knackered. This was her fourth one, and she just said, "Look, you hold it." <laughs> Uh, and I remember driving in and going, this is just so amazing that yeah. I am holding a person here that has only been around for like five minutes, yeah, exactly. literally. Just, just a matter of seconds. Uh, just yeah. There, just the miracle of life, I suppose, no, in the arm of your it, hands. It was. It sounds cliched and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, fortunately, like everything was fine. Healthy bub, yes. healthy mum and all that sort of stuff. So all I had to do was just sit there and just have a moment to go, wow, that's amazing. And um, and I suppose just, uh, you know, you obviously got to be a people person for, for the job. And, mm. um, you know, I... I a lot of time for the oldies are, and uh, if they've got time to tell a story, it's, it's always great just to have a chat with them. And um, you know, I, I uh, spoke to a gentleman that uh, fought in uh, World War One. Um, he was he was a centenary centenary. Say word centenary. centenarian. Centenarian. That sounds about right. Yes. It was uh, hundred years old anyway. Yes. Uh, and this was only when I just first uh, got in the job. And uh, you know, it was just remarkable to talk to people about living history. So. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, David, thank you. Thank you for coming back and letting us come back and have a bit of a technical <laughs> jiggle there, but we're fine. We're all good. David, thank you. We shan't keep you any longer. Thank you for your time today. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Izzy, we're going back to you. Thank yeah. you to continue the show. I shall do that. Thank you very much, Stu. Awesome. So, isn't that amazing? Like, can you imagine just holding a little baby that's, like, just came out of its mum like seven seconds ago? That's insane. Anyway, so next up we have one of our members going around talking to fellow students around on campus about this story that we heard this morning. It's quite interesting, but I guess you will have to listen to that after Wish You Well by Bernard Fanning. Hey, it's Isabella, and you're tuned into Phoenix Radio here on our drive show. So before the break, I was telling all of you guys about this story that happened, and I just thought it was quite like intense to be honest so let's start off with that this happened at 9 a.m this morning well it was posted about it and if you guys didn't hear a brisbane father is being fined after racing to the hospital to save a seven-month-old baby who was actually having breathing problems and yes before you ask oh did he call the ambulance yeah he did but they told him that it was going to take over 45 minutes to get to his house and help his child like can you imagine, like, that kid, that kid's not going to make it if it's 45 minutes having breathing problems. He's only seven months old. So, here at campus, we've had Josh asking fellow students about, asking fellow students these specific questions. Should you be allowed to break the law in an emergency? Do you think someone should be able to drive to the, someone else to the hospital without a license? And what are your thoughts on this story? Let's get to it. So in that kind of scenario, I think it really does depend on the driver's previous experience driving. If they do have previous experience, although it may have been unlicensed, I think it's fair enough that he was able to drive to the hospital. It's a life or death situation. Obviously, if they're, say, for example, a 15-year-old kid who's never driven a car in their life, maybe that's not the best option. So I think it really comes down to the driver and their, um, their choice, whether they know they're going to be able to get to the hospital safely without injuring others along the way. So, yeah, overall, I think he's probably done the right thing. Being an older person, I think he's definitely had some driving experience. But if it was a younger person with not much experience, then probably not. 
Well, I guess it's kind of guess what you describe an emergency situation as. You know, if like you're gonna go Macca's run, you don't have your license, it's kind of like, all right, go on, you're pushing it a bit. But if your kid's gonna die, or like a serious injury, who's, you know, yeah, would you rather your child dies, or would you rather cop a fine for not being able to have a license? I'm like, I think it's just a bit silly. Especially the state of ambulances at the moment, they're all like backed up, especially like in Ipswich. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you didn't hurt anyone else along the way, I don't think. Um, yeah, I guess it's like um, sort of what Reese touched on before that if you know you can drive or you can. Your ability to get somewhere safely in a car, regardless of whether you have a license or not, in like a life-threatening situation such as that, then I think you should be fine. Should be fine. That's a good question, definitely. Um, I guess in that instance it made sense, but it also you do need a license to drive, so it's kind of like where do you draw the line in, like allowing those kind of things to slide? Because if you let one person drive without a license to the hospital, then in other instances, can you then drive to other places and situations without a license? I don't know what to say actually, I need to give it some thought. <laughs> I guess I understand the guy who was doing that and I would probably have done the same if there were no other choices, but I also understand the law, the police, they need to enforce the law, so I mean, of course that's something we'll probably go through court and exactly. the magistrate will need to ponder both yeah. sides. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, something like worth having a listen to if yeah. he does go to court for that and give that reason you know obviously if he's exhausted all options like called ambulance triple zero and no one came and and if it means driving a license to save a life yeah. maybe permissible i guess all right yes i guess the challenge is to consider or if you allow people people know they can do this they will sort of generalize this rule and use yeah. it for any sort of excuse or or they're not going to think twice before they do that so how serious who, who who's to judge how serious the situation is because he then keep, could be putting other lives at risk by yeah. driving a license yeah, or making a decision when he's really under distress uh, that could make things more serious uh, more dangerous to other people well, I personally think that he should have been able to drive to the hospitals to help his kid without, like, getting fined or maybe they could have relaxed it, maybe given him a warning. What do you guys think? Call us up on 3470-4646. You're tuned into Phoenix Radio. It is Isabella. And to be honest, yeah, I reckon I stand with my opinion. I reckon that he should be, like, relaxed with all those fines. Anyway... Like I said, let us know on that number or contact us on Facebook via Phoenix Radio Australia, Instagram, Phoenix Radio Live or Twitter, Phoenix Radio. It's Phoenix Radio Online. Phoenix Radio Online. Phoenix Radio. Phoenix Radio. Phoenix Radio. The hits just keep on coming. Changes we've made to help stop the spread need to continue into the future. Remember to keep making COVID-safe choices, like maintaining physical distancing, practising good hygiene and wearing a mask when needed. To protect others, stay at home when unwell and get tested for COVID-19. Keep the COVID-safe app active so you can be contacted if needed. Together, let's keep going and stay safe. Find out more at health.gov.au. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. Hello, Cullen and Russell from Emerge here, the radio show and podcast dedicated to sharing the best in Queensland music. For interviews with local artists, the latest in music news and recent releases, a wide range of reviews, local gig previews and a whole lot more, tune into Emerge Monday nights from 7pm on Phoenix Radio via the TuneIn Radio app. 
Hi guys, it's me again, Isabella here with your drive show every Wednesday afternoon from 4 to 5. So the time is currently 4.38 and we're going to talk about the story of the day. So pretty much Longreach and Western Queensland have been inundated with rains and floods in the past few weeks. I'm speaking with Philem Hanafi from the Bureau of Meteorology in Brisbane to discuss the reasons of the influx in rain of the area. Good afternoon, Philem, and thanks for joining me today here on The Drive. Oh, my pleasure, Isabella. <laughs> awesome. So I'm just going to ask, like, just straight up, are these extreme weather conditions somewhat unseasonal for this time of year? Well, they're certainly uh, out of the context for what you would expect for April up over this area. Um, you know, we do, we have seen, we saw some similar, a similar type set up back in about 1990 where, you know, where we saw totals over a two or three day period, you mm-hmm. know, exceed, exceed that kind of up towards in excess of 200 mil across some areas. And over the, over this, particularly over the last, from about Sunday night towards Tuesday morning, you know, mm-hmm. 24 to 36 hour period, you know, large parts of the central west there around Longreach and, and Winton, South Falls, you know, in excess of 100 mil, generally around 100, or I should say 120 to about 160, with some isolated falls in excess of 200 mil. So mm-hmm. for many of these areas, that you're talking about four times, four to six times the monthly average rainfall for April falling in a very falling in just a 24 to 36 hour period. Oh, wow. So that would have a huge knock on effect, and we're seeing that and reflected in the river systems at moderate to major flood now across parts of the central west. And yeah, unusual for April, but not unprecedented. And it has happened before with, you have to go back to around the 1990. Wow. The totals <laughs> of, of, of this kind of magnitude. And even 1989 had had some totals higher than that, but which occurred in, in a 24-hour period. But for many of these areas, yeah, probably the, the wettest, wettest April conditions since about 1990. Oh, wow. You know what? I wasn't even thought of then. I wasn't even born. <laughs> and do you reckon there's a reason why Longreach is experiencing like these severe conditions at the moment? Like, what's going on? Well, it has all eased now, but it was caused by a slow-moving trough that was out west. And we had a, a weak tropical low in the Gulf, and that low held just really funnel moisture off the Gulf right into that trough system. Mm-hmm. And then that trough moved slowly over the central west. That was during Sunday or during during the latter part of Sunday and during Monday as well. And you also had an upper feature as well in play. Now, that upper feature just helps to really, really lift all that moisture and produce broad-scale rain areas across central interior, and hence why we had such very heavy falls as well. There was also some embedded thunderstorm activity, and when you get thunderstorms, they can really draw out the moisture and really create those locally very heavy or even intense falls as well. Mm. And that's that's what we saw um, particularly during during um, the second half of Monday and early on Tuesday, that's when probably yeah. the peak rainfall occurred. And then during during the second half of yesterday, it really all weakened off. The upper feature as well, and the upper system really um, helps drive the whole system. And once that slipped to the south, then the system just ran out of steam and weakened off. And we've seen we've seen that now that the rainfall has eased across most of the the interior as we speak but the knock-on effect is the river systems and everywhere is so flat pretty flat out there meaning that rivers when they rise it takes a it takes a long time for them to subside and you've got a lot of little tributaries as well that that have to flow into the main river system so some Mm -hmm. of the flood peaks we see now 
some of the rivers, you know, we're likely to see further rises in these river in these main river systems out over parts of Central West. That's to the the Barco, the the Thompson, and the Western as well. As these tributaries filter that excess rainfall into these main river systems over the next over the coming days, and then it's probably going to be a slow burner as well with with likely to remain at least in moderate to major for the next several days with oh. only a slow yeah. Even though the rain has eased, so we're not expecting any significant rainfall across that particular area for the next um, seven days, but you're likely to still have you know significant flooding ongoing. Oh, wow. So, like, it'll take just, like, a couple days. So what, what do you reckon, like, all of those, like, people within those areas are going to be like specifically expecting like hard rain, soft rain, just a little bit of drizzle. How's that? Uh, going probably, like? probably no. It's going to be probably mostly mostly dry conditions over the area in terms of rainfall. But you're still going to have the flooding. So the riverine flooding is likely to continue for several days, if not into a couple of weeks as well. Oh it's wow! Pretty flat out there, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot of the um, the peaks. You know, they have to collect all the mo- all the rainfall from the local mm-hmm. so smaller tributaries, and they flow into the main river systems. And then then peaks move south. In fact, if you look at some of the other river systems to the south, the Dementina and areas towards the New South Wales border, which still have some lingering flood peaks, which are associated with rainfall that occurred maybe back to or back in the early early January. So oh, wow. the flat terrain, yeah, it'll, it'll take a long while for these peaks to just move slowly slowly down the uh, the main river systems. Holy moly, that's oh. insane! So that'll take like. That's going to take like a couple months then. That's insane. Oh my goodness. Yeah, oh. indeed, indeed. You'll, you'll probably have still some kind of flooding occurring on, on the main river systems there for, for long after the event has ended. It may not be major, but you're looking at probably at least minor to potentially moderate or even even persistent there for a couple of months, mm-hmm. just given the, the fact of the, the terrain there being quite flat. Yeah, it is unfortunate mm. that it's like that. But thankfully, here at Ipswich, we don't have that. So... Thank you so much, Philem. It was so nice talking to you. Thank you for joining us here on Phoenix Radio at USQ to talk about the extreme weather conditions. Thank you so much. My pleasure as always. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Wow. That's that's a bit unfortunate that like the terrain is very flat and they don't get to, you know, go out as much. Speaking of going out, do you guys struggle with going out and exercising? Because I know for a fact, ever since Easter came, I most definitely do. <laughs> so let's get on to that topic. But let's listen to Please Don't Lean featuring <laughs> Bad, Bad, Not Good, Daniel Caesar. Dang, what a vibey song. I've never heard that song before. That's, <laughs> that's a cute song. Anyway, so... Yes, hello, it's me, Isabella. I'm back with your drive show. It is currently 4.49 here on Phoenix Radio, and I'm about to talk about health and well-being. Health and well-being is something that is ingrained in our daily lives, and that is a push of motivation to get up, get changed, get active, and it's quite hard as a student or an office worker, because I know for a fact that I was doing all that. I was up, ready, gymming, all that stuff. But then, like I said before, Easter came and assessment due dates are around the corner and I'm sure many of you will probably use that same excuse. But never fear my Springfield people and Ipswich people because here we have the wonderful Charlie Farrow. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. So we're going to start off by you telling us about yourself and your fitness journey. Awesome. So... 
Uh, my name is Charlie. I've been a part of the fitness industry for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I left school, jumped straight into it. Um, got the job through a family friend. And honestly, I thought it would be just like a sort of casual job. And I ended up never leaving. So um, <laughs> sort of became part of my everyday thing, just training. Um, mm-hmm. And then started hosting my own running group and sort of been an everyday thing ever since then. Oh, wow. So what initially made you get into, like, fitness, like, more specifically running? Because you said you have a running group. Tell me about how, like, you got into it. Um, So I initially wasn't very good academically. And Mm -hmm. then I couldn't get any jobs that I liked anything. And then the only thing I felt like I was really achieving well in was a set three and four in fitness. Oh, Um, I have my set three as well. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, it's so much fun mm-hmm. um did that and then loved it and was like may as well if you love something you may as well make a career out of it so exactly. um decided to do that and honestly it was so good like um I started doing group classes and I did PT and then I started working as a gym manager oh wow um, and then I worked through um mega run which you might have heard of oh um, is that your your run, fun run yeah awesome yeah. tell me more about that one so it's a free community running club um, held in locations all over the world now. Absolutely oh, wow. crazy. Yeah, there's one in South Africa, New Zealand, um, Hitchin in UK. Shout out to Hitchin. Um, <laughs> absolutely crazy. So I initially started in the Gold Coast um, yep. with Meg Sutherland. And then um, she just started running every Sunday and people wanted to join her. So she started running and then it became just like more of a hype crew. And honestly... I am not a big fan of running at all, mm-hmm. but I absolutely love the whole vibe. Everyone there is just amazing. Like you go there, you're greeted with an instant hug and people saying, oh my God, how's your week? Aww. You look amazing, blah, blah, blah. It's such a good group. That's so sweet. I think, I, you know what? I'm going to follow you and oh my God, I'm going to have so a look into that. You're coming on this weekend. <laughs> you know what? I just might. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, so for people that don't usually do running and are, like, wanting to participate, what sort of preparation do they need to do? Like, specific shoes, clothes? Like, do they need to spend money or, like, what no, preparation? No, definitely not. So they can come as they are. So all fitness and aid levels are allowed. Um, mm-hmm. We've got – sorry, Turkey just attacked us. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> we have a um, – we have a seven-year-old that runs a 5K every single weekend. Oh, my um, goodness. He started off doing, like, 500 meters, and now he runs 5K non-stopping, which is amazing. Um, wow. And it goes all the way up to 56-year-olds, so everyone's welcome. And as I never started off as a strong runner. Like, mm-hmm. max I could do was probably, like, 500 meters without feeling out of breath or exhausted. <laughs> um, and then I ran my first 10 kilometers with a mega run. So, yeah. honestly, it was it's so good to have that group around you. So. You don't need to spend anything. Come with just pair of joggers, mm-hmm. shorts, shirts, and just come along. And yeah, that's literally it. So it's all free. You just come along, and then we all get breakfast together afterwards. Oh, and we all sort of just that's spend nice. time together, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. And just for the last question, so mm-hmm. how often does Mega Run happen, and how can people be able to like get more information about this? So we do have our Facebook pages. Um, so if you just type up Mega Run and the closest location to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so to find the locations, you can see them on Instagram or on, um, if you just go on Google and type up Mega Run, it can show you the closest location to you. So 
Um, for my Ipswich family, we got Ipswich, um, which is held in Springfield. Um, Very Orion. local. That's, nice. Yeah, <laughs> we love a local group. Exactly. Um, that's every single Sunday, uh, 5.30 meet for a 6 a.m. start at awesome. Six Yoga Way, Springfield. So just almost near um, Raw Energy Cafe yep. at um, Springfield there. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people do the Dirty Double, which is also on a Saturday at Brisbane, um, Kangaroo Point, Joey's Cafe. Oh, dang. Now the time's changed, 6 a.m. meet for a 6.30 start. So absolutely epic. Awesome. You know what? I don't think I could do that 6.30 one. But you know what? That's fine. I'm going to just do the one on Sunday. Also, yeah. thank you so much for communicating with us like about running and all that stuff. I no, might have to join you guys. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait to see you there. Awesome. I will let you know when I'm there. Thank you so <laughs> much again and have a lovely night. No, of course. You too. I'll see you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Now, doesn't that sound so motivating, guys? Really? Like, that makes me want to, like, just leave the studio right now. Go running. I'm going to run outside to my car and, you know what, I'll probably get KFC. But that's a secret between us, guys. (laughs) Next up, we have What You Know About Love by Pop Smoke. Hey, what an absolute banger. You know what? What You Know About Love by Pop Smoke. Yes, it's me again, Isabella, here on Phoenix Radio with your drive show. It is 4.58 and you know what? Unfortunately, it is nearly the end of our show, but don't get all sad right now. Don't you dare. (laughs) Before we say our sorrowful goodbyes and our farewells, we have a special guest joining us. She's a Brisbane-based designer and she's the owner of Hysteria, which is a highly successful clothing brand, if you didn't know. And she was selected in Instagram's 25 under 25 female entrepreneur list. Here we have May Porifi... Oh, sorry. May Porfiriu. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. So, thank you so much for joining us, first of all. That's okay. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Let's promote your stuff. Anyway, (laughs) so, I'm just going to ask you, like, tell me about Hysteria. Like, how did this come about? Um, Hysteria was a brand. I didn't even start it off as a brand, really. I kind of just started doing my own things, making my own clothes, um, started, you know, just working and like making clothes for myself um um in my just my days off and then I made my first like official like full set outfits for Splendor in 2018 Ooh. and yeah it was, pretty, it was pretty cool it was pretty exciting um made some like pretty iconic like set sets and reflective wear and things like that and I just got a lot of feedback from people wanting me to make it for them and I was kind of like okay like I definitely could do yeah, it's like a full-time thing, is it? Or it's not a full-time thing. I'm still at uni. I'm still, um, you know, working part-time. But I definitely want to make it my full-time. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Dang, look at you go. You're doing both things, multitasking. Heck, yeah. yes. Yeah, um, it's a lot. Yeah. Who would you say your um, stylistic influences are? Um, I definitely think like my number one would be Flex Mommy on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I love her stuff. Um, but I was actually thinking like I actually don't have anyone who I would say who would be like someone famous who I kind of like look up to I kind of like take inspiration from people around me mm. clothing on Pinterest like pe- like I'm in Melbourne at the moment I live oh, in Brisbane wow. like, yeah um but I'm just kind of like 
you know, people watching and seeing what they wear and seeing, I don't know, just like taking influence from that. Yeah. Yeah. Taking in like the world and like how different people from different areas. Would you say that like people from Melbourne dress differently from people in Brisbane? Oh, definitely. Mm. Definitely like um, a lot more uh, extroverted in their fashion sense. I think that Brisbane, I don't know, maybe Brisbane people like we dress for comfort, like a bit more functionality wise, but Mm -hmm. um, here's got a bit of a, you know, a bit of a zest to all of their outfits. It's, it's super cool, though, to see. Um, I love it. Yeah, of course. And what makes Hysteria different from, like, other brands that you see, like, in everyday life? Yeah, I really focus um, really focus on the fits and the, uh, like, the quality of my garments. And I think that, like, I want people to feel empowered in the clothes. Therefore, like, how it fits is really important. So I think that that's where, like, I differ from other brands like mm-hmm. I started the brand well I started showing my own clothes because I couldn't find any that would really fit around my fit in the right places you know so yeah, of course I think that's how I differ from other brands yeah. yeah you've got to cater to all bodies all like all shapes and sizes of course exactly and like um yeah not to, not to mention like I guess back to the question like I mean all the exotic kind of styles that I've come out with but yeah I think that like the fit of like a garment is really everything, to be honest, because if it doesn't fit, it does, you don't feel comfortable and you'll never wear it. Yeah, and you won't feel confident and you've got to strut, exactly. like, you've got to walk through the world as if it's your, like, catwalk, you know? Exactly. That's exactly how I want people to feel in the brand. So. Exactly. And to see some of your, like, your designs and stuff like that, how can we follow you? Um, on Instagram, mm-hmm. at Hysteria Studios. So, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. Sweet as you heard it here. Also, um, just the final question for you: would, What's one piece of advice that you would give for future designers who are like looking to share their artwork? Um, definitely focus on like your gut and what you feel more than what you think will do well. Because when you have that energy and that feeling of this is sick and this is what I like, you have that kind of like creative energy of like this is this is it like Mm -hmm. go towards that even if you think that people aren't going to like it because like you can't cater to everyone um and I just think that just do what you love like don't conform to what you think society you know should like you you know what they what other people kind of like think and things like that Mm -hmm. like do your own work get inspired get creative like just do what you want to do, basically, yeah. Yeah, you are your own hype girl, hype person. Exactly, you want yeah. you got to say it to yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. You're like, I do this. I believe in myself. Awesome. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much for speaking with us. We look forward to seeing more of your local talent. Thank you so much. That's all right. Have a good afternoon. Bye. Bye. So, guys. Thank you so much for listening into our drive show. It is 5.04. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning to listen to Reese. And that's it for that's it for us here at Phoenix Radio. We'll see you next week. Bye.